Hi, before we start, I just wanted to say I've had some amazing news. My Love Letter Time Machine has been shortlisted for the Independent Podcast Awards this year in the history category. I am absolutely delighted and I just want to say thank you to all of you for continuing to support the podcast, for listening, for sharing it, and it's just wonderful to have that kind of recognition. Anyway, back to the show. Welcome back to my Love Letter Time Machine. Hi, I'm Ingrid Burchell Hughes, and I'm serialising the love letters of my great-great-grandparents, Fred Shepard and Janie Warburton. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where we take a look at Victorian history through their eyes, and today, Fred is arranging for their bands of marriage to be published, and Janie has to deal with a huge family row when Emma's drinking takes a turn for the worse. Please be aware that there are descriptions of alcohol abuse and the effects on a family in the second half of this podcast. Last time, our Fred got a little concerned about the apparently ever-increasing number of Janie's bridesmaids. The main task for the pair this week is to organise the marriage brands to be published in their respective parishes, but a confusion about their chosen groomsmen arises. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, September the 17th, 1882. My darling Janie, I received your welcome letter this morning for which I thank you, love. The cross keys will, as you say, love, be quite smart at the wedding, with new paper and paint almost throughout. I hope you will not have to do much towards it, love, or it will not give you much time to get ready for the great day. I will see about the cards printing this next week, love. I can get them done very nicely, I think, at Pawson and Brailsford's in Sheffield, and I will tell them to send them to your house. We shall, as you say, my darling, be together if troubles come, and we will bear them together, my little wife. I am glad you have not heard much talk about the wedding in Handsworth, love. I wish we could keep them from knowing at all, for I expect after next Sunday you will hear plenty of it, and perhaps be insulted into the bargain. I hope the bans being published will not prevent you from going to church, at least at night, for there is nothing to be afraid of, and I think you are not ashamed of being married, or him you are to marry, love, are you? I am glad to hear that you will not have any more bridesmaids than three, love. I was not cross, darling. I shall be quite agreeable to come straight through and not stop at York, love, but I do not think either Redcar or Saltburn will be very nice in October, as we were down there on Friday and it was very chilly at night and dark at seven o'clock and then it will be dark at six, I expect. But we shall see, love, what sort of weather it is, and if it is not suitable, we can get the house ready in real earnest. Perhaps, after all, that would be the best thing to do. We will certainly come away from Sheffield the same night. If you have anything you could pack away in my portmanteau, will you do so at once, love, as I shall want to bring it down with me when I come. I cannot get everything I shall want in the little bag. I went down to Redcar to play football yesterday, I played about an hour, and then we walked down to Saltburn. There are not many people at either place, especially Saltburn. I feel rather stiff today with the unwanted exercise, but it has done me good, I think. Annie Wortley's Mr Glover came up on Wednesday night. He told me he was going to be a groomsman. You never told me, love, of this, and he spoke as though I knew all about it. He also says that Annie asked him at the feast, if he could not come over to act so. You did not mention Annie at that time, love. 
I have not got to know the sizes of the windows yet, love. I hope it is not hindering you at all for waiting for them. I shall write to your John this week and tell him to put the bands in. I wrote to Tommy Hughes last week, but have not yet had a reply. I intended the bands being put here today, but I cannot get to know which parish I belong to. I remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. You omitted to tell me how they were at home. I don't think you have answered my letters in full love. For those of you not familiar with marriage law in the UK, I thought I should probably give you a quick explanation of what marriage bans actually are. Instead of getting a marriage licence as you might do in the US, if you are getting married in the Anglican Church, you still have to have your bans of marriage published at either a morning or evening service every week for three weeks before the day of your wedding. If you're having a civil wedding, i.e. not in a church, you have to give notice instead and make a legal statement of your intention to marry at least 29 days before your intended date at your local registry office. Publishing the bans of marriage became a legal requirement in 1753, following the passing of the Clandestine Marriage Act. It had come about in an attempt to stop the heirs of those in higher society eloping, abandoning their family obligations in order to marry someone their parents considered unsuitable. The passing of the Act wasn't completely successful, as it gave rise to the phenomenon of couples under the age of 21 who didn't have their parents' consent eloping to Scotland, where you could still get married, even without a clergyman. Villages just over the Scottish border became popular places where these irregular marriages could be procured, the most famous of which was Gretna Green, where couples were married by the blacksmith. Almost anyone could conduct a marriage, as long as there were two witnesses, and the blacksmiths became known as anvil priests. This state of affairs continued until Scotland changed the law in 1856, requiring couples to prove 21 days residence. I know I've gone off on a tangent here, but I did have a quick look at Gretna Green's website and their wedding industry looks very healthy. All sorts of venues and wedding packages are available. You can even get an elopement package for just £589 and still get married in the original blacksmiths. Right, we really should return to Hansworth. For Janie, the reading of the bands would have been read out in the Church of St Mary's the Virgin, which, if you recall, was a mere three steps away from the back door of the Cross Keys. During the service, the Reverend Mowat would have more than likely spoken the following words. I publish the bands of marriage between Jane Warburton of this parish and Frederick Shepherd of the Paris of St John the Evangelist, Middlesbrough. If any of you know cause or just impediment why these two persons should not be joined together in holy matrimony, ye are to declare it. This is the first time of asking. You'll see from Fred's next letter, it takes him quite a bit of detective work to find out which parish he actually belonged to. Albert Terrace, Linthorpe Road, Middlesbrough, September the 18th, 1882. My own darling wife. I have just a few minutes to spare, so I thought I would commence your letter tonight, as you will no doubt expect a pretty long one from me, seeing that Sunday's was so short. I reckon I have done some business towards housekeeping today. First, I have written to your John to put the bands in there, and I have been to see the Vicar of All Saints here. He received me very cordially, but it turns out that I am neither in All Saints nor Linthorpe Parish, but in St John's, which is the dark-looking one at the bottom of the Martin Road. 
I shall see the vicar tomorrow. It seems to be the thing here to see the vicar instead of the clerk. I think I shall go there next Sunday morning and hear the bands published as there will be nobody but Retchford and Alvey that will know me there. And it must be curious to hear one's own bands published. I have also written to Paulson and Brailsford about the cards. I know their manager and think I can get them done very cheaply. I have also arranged about the house being papered and painted for £3. We happen to have done considerable business with the painter, etc., and consequently I have got the benefit of it. While I think of it, have you written to Ted or Miss Dalton yet about the wedding? Do not forget it, love, as he is one of my earliest friends. Of course, I do not know whether it will be convenient for him to be there, but I should like him to have the chance. I have not heard from Tommy Hughes yet, love. I enclose you the dimensions of the windows taken by the paperer. The inside sizes are the sizes of the glass. If you cannot make it out, your John or your father will explain it to you, I have no doubt. I feel pleased, my darling, to think that you'll have a decent bedroom to sleep in at least, and shall I add, a decent bedfellow. A letter from Janie must have arrived at this point, but appears to have gone missing. I think we can infer, from Fred's response, that she must have mentioned having a painful period and cleared up the groomsman confusion. My darling, I received your short but welcome letter this morning, love. I am sorry that you were so bad last Saturday, darling, and regret that I complained about the shortness of the letter. We must try to remedy you having so much pain, my darling. I think it is possible to prevent it. I wish I could have been there to cheer you up, my little wife, but I shall be very soon, and then your troubles will vanish. I will excuse the shortness of this morning's letter, love, as you are going to our house. Let me know how they all are. I am pleased to hear, love, that I was mistaken respecting Annie and Mr Glover's attendance at the wedding. I can quite understand you admitting it, darling, under the circumstances. Still, I thought I would mention it, as it did not seem to be at all clear to me. Forgive me, wifey. I am glad to hear that you will go to church at least at night, love, and very pleased to hear that you are not ashamed of me. I did not think you would be, love but I thought I would see what you would have to say. I enclose a list of the people I should like cake sending to, love. It is rather extensive, but I cannot very well cut it short. You will know two addresses are out. I will get these and let you know. Of course, all my relations I've left for you to deal with. I intend giving you a good long one today, love, but we are so busy. The secretary, as usual, has taken his book. I've chosen the papers for our house, love, today. I think you will like them. The one for the dining room is like Mr Marston's, which I thought looked very nice, didn't you, love? I love you more than ever, and remain, my darling wife, your loving true and faithful husband, Fred. In the corner of this next letter, Janie has written, Our Emma has been quite drunk tonight. Hansworth. September the 19th, 1882. My own darling Fred, I don't know when I shall be able to give you a long letter. I seem to have to hurry over them all now, love. We are very busy today, getting ready for the association dinner, and it is the washing day as well. I went down to your house yesterday to tea. Your mother is much better again. She says she was very poorly last week, and little Walter has been bad too. He has been under Dr Pritchard. He does not look well at all. All the rest are quite well. John was going to work all night, so I did not see him. Your mother still says she does not like to come to our wedding in a black dress, love. I shall be disappointed if she does not come. I should like her to be there. 
Darling, could you not make her a present of one? And we won't go anywhere but straight to Middlesbrough and get the house ready in real earnest. Then, what we should have spent if we went anywhere, you might give to your mother, love, and we could spend our honeymoon in getting our own happy little house straightened. Or give her what you think is sufficient for a dress. Your mother does not know about me asking this, love. I know, love. You will want to save as much as possible for our home. But she will be so disappointed, I know, if she does not come. But she does seem to have a dislike in coming in a black dress. I called at Aunt Stanifalls yesterday and Mr Gillingham was there and he said I was to tell you Mr Rennie and he would want a glass at the wedding. You will have heard, love, by this what parish you are in. I told our John I thought you were in the parish of all saints. I think that is the nearest church to Albert Terrace, is it not, love? Mr Allen will want to know by Saturday. I will try to answer all your letters in full later on, love. It is post time now. I remain my darling husband, your loving true and faithful wife, Janie. It's really sweet of Janie to offer up the cost of their little honeymoon in order that her mother-in-law might have a dress in which she feels comfortable to attend their wedding. However, I'm also aware that up till now, Janie's letters about their weekend away have been very ambivalent. She seems absolutely desperate to get her teeth into setting up their new home. And I have to acknowledge that this generous sacrifice on her part does rather feed into her desire to get on with the homemaking. We'll find out what Fred thinks about this in the next podcast. But now we have a rare letter from Janie's brother, John Warburton, who has graciously taken on the wedding ceremony administration duties on Fred's behalf. During Janie and Fred's courtship, John seems to have been the brother most willing to escort Janie to various places and on several occasions has sought Fred's company out for his own sake. So I'm imagining a warm connection here. His writing is very slanted and challenging to read. There are no full stops and he doesn't seem to write in full sentences, but I'll try my best. Hunsworth, September the 19th, 1882. My dear Fred, I received your reminder this morning. I have seen Mr. Allen. He tells me he shall require the parish you reside in that will be until the morning of the wedding. Then he will require a certificate from the church in Middlesbrough, where you've had the bans published, also three and sixpence. Very cheap. I will pay the money, then you can pay me when you see me. His best advice to get to know the parish you reside in is this. If supposing you reside nearest St Paul's, you will be in St Paul's Parish. If nearest St Mary's, St Mary's Parish. This is how they are in Sheffield. If it should be the parish church, it would be the parish of Middlesbrough. Janie says you reside near All Saints, so it would be the parish of All Saints, Middlesbrough. I did not know if it was on the 12th of October. They would not say only that it was October. We have had Ginny Reckless up to try her hat on, etc. And also Annie Laverack. I expect we shall have a lot of that before the day. You must let us know as early as possible the parish. The latest he can allow is Saturday morning. I must now conclude as I have more to write. Trusting you are quite well, and I will endeavour to have them put in right according to promise. I remain, your sincerely, John Warburton. In the midst of all the activity and optimism for their new life, the tragic situation with Emma is ongoing. Please be aware that this next letter of Janie's paints a very clear and shocking picture of alcohol abuse within the family. Maria, Janie and Emma's mother, through her own misguided way of caring, 
is revealed to be Emma's enabler, although she and no one else would have understood it like that then, and the divisions in the family are laid bare in this account. I found this letter particularly distressing to read. Hansworth, September the 19th, 1882. My very dear husband, I do wish you were here if only for a few minutes. I do want to see you. You would be such a comfort, darling. You do not know how I long for you. It is such a happiness to be together, and there is not much happiness or comfort here without you. But I have only three more weeks to wait before I'm with you forever. I shall be so thankful when the time is over, for love, you do not know what miserable days we have through the way in which our Emma goes on. She gets worse and worse. I have not been looking after the bar much today. I've been upstairs most of the day, and Father has been to Sheffield, and our John has been very busy. So Emma has had the run of the bar, and she has made use of every opportunity. She is getting worse and worse. Mother has not told my father tonight. It is right he should be told, but it's so hard to see him suffer, it nearly kills him. We had a terrible row about her last Sunday night. She had had some drink then. At noon she said she would not wait. She got some of the drink first thing in the morning. She gets up early and goes down into the cellar and gets a lot of cellar beer, and then it makes her crabby, and she tries to quarrel with everybody. Mother never can see it, or she won't see it. She went to treat in a little before half past two and she said to me before she went out, our Emma was not very well. If she asks for a little sup, you must give it her. At the same time, Kate told me that she had taken a pint mug down in the cellar and had had a lot of cellar beer and then either some gin or whiskey. And yet, if I tell mother, she flies at me and she says I always say she has had some. Emma did not ask for anything, so of course she did not get it. So I locked the bar cellar door as we generally do on a Sunday afternoon and I kept the keys in my pocket. I got the tea ready and Annie Laverack came to and had a cup with me, except a tract of water at the fire which I left for Annie to attend to. But our Emma of her own accord took to the washing and told mother a lot of fibs about it when she came back. She sat like a great bull at the table and never spoke to Annie. She was vexed at me because she saw I had the keys and she could not get into the cellar to have some more, and yet we had no words, for I did not speak to her. Father could see she had had some. So when Mother came back, he told Mother she had. Mother stuck up for Emma, and Father swore, and then they quarrelled. Father and I did not go to bed until half past twelve. I felt so miserable. I could not go to bed. So I sat up with him. I feel so sorry for him, darling. You have no idea what he has had to put up with. I did wish I could be with you for a few minutes. I felt as though I would give all I had to speak to you, love, just then. I do love you, my darling, and it is a comfort to have somebody that loves me to sympathise with me when troubles come. Emma is in bed now. She could hardly get into bed. She is so drunk. But love, you'll be tired about hearing about her, and I am tired of writing about her love, for at the best she is but a bad subject. 
How nice it will be when we get our home settled, love, to always be together. There will be no more partings then. We shall have some happy evenings. It will be an agreeable change, my darling, for me. I shall try to make you so happy, love, and I think I shall succeed. Only three more weeks to wait for our wedding day. Do you think you will get off on the Tuesday night, love? I should like you to be here for one day before all our arrangements. I expect Carrie will come the day before, but I'm expecting a letter from her every day. It is bedtime. Good night, my darling. Good night. I wish I could kiss you. It would really do me good. We've got the dinner over, love. I received your letter this morning, but I've not had time to answer it. I remain always my darling husband, your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. Poor, poor James must no doubt have been bitterly regretting the day that he gave John George Herod permission to marry his eldest daughter. The alcohol dependence that emerged from Emma trying to cope with the abuse she suffered at her ex-husband's hands is so very understandable and so very tragic. But it was this particular account from Janie that really revealed to me the dysfunctional family dynamic that had become entrenched by this point. A bit of this letter that really got to me was Janie talking about her just sitting quietly with her father after the huge quarrel. I'm imagining them sat in front of the fire, absolutely wrung out with the emotional fallout, perhaps holding hands and saying nothing at all. It speaks so much of helplessness and defeat. Witnessing Janie's instinctive compassion for her father is also really moving. Her actions reminded me of the words that one of my favourite writers, John Green, when he wrote, What we really need in this world, and all in the end we can give each other, is accompaniment and attention. To walk with each other, and to listen to each other, so that none of us has to go through everything that we will have to go through, alone. Thank you for listening to my Love Letter Time Machine. Next time, we find out Fred's feelings about getting a new dress for his mother so that she can go to their wedding, and Janie continues shopping for the wedding clothes. In the meantime, it would be great if you could show the podcast some support by clicking on the ratings, leaving a review, or sharing it with someone who you think might enjoy it. And if you'd like to write to me, you can at myloveletter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.